Okay, so um, the rabbi was learning with us yesterday, Pasha's Tetzaveh in the Morinayim, in which um, <clears throat> the idea of uh, the, co- the archetype of Moshe, the concept of Moshe being Das, I mean, it can't be the physical Moshe, because um, in the mystical literature, it is a Bechina of Moshe in every person. Uh, after his death, um, the Bible says, and no one knows the place of his death. The regular meaning meaning we don't know where he was buried. He was buried in uh, Gai, opposite Baal Peor. Baal Peor. Um, the Mepharshim say so that we shouldn't make his burial place into a kind of memorial um, place of pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. Um, but comes along the Morinaim and says, Actually, we don't know where he's buried uh, because he is the Bechina of Das, meaning whatever that word Das means, divine awareness, experiential awareness of the divine, we, we don't know where that Bechina of Moshe is within us because we have a piece of Moshe within us. And so on Reish Peches... It starts Vov <coughs> and that Das in the Yudke Vovke is the Vov of the Vov Hey. It connects the upper Hey, supernal knowledge with the lower Hey. Shehuham Shochas Torah, and therefore he, before we had said that that Vav is the Torah, again, as you had asked the rabbi, we're not meaning the physical words of the Torah, and he go, he agreed. I was amazed. He agreed. He did. I we're, didn't we're, even t- notice We're that. talking about spirituality, um, Hebrew spirituality, right? The Torah meaning the blueprint by which the, the divine created alterity, created the world, the of the Torah, the letters of the Torah having this kind of supernal archetypal building blocks of the universe. And you shall command. Remember that Pasha Tetzave doesn't have uh, the name of Moses in it because Moses died in this Pasha. This Pasha always falls out on the first week of Adar. And so the question he had was, why isn't he mentioned? He's not mentioned because he died and we don't know where he is anymore. He's hidden. He's even hidden in this single Parsha. Then why does it say, v'ato, and you shall command? Should have said, you should command. What's the vov? The vov suggests that um, the ato is um, a continuation of. And he says, no, the vov is the vov that connects the upper and lower worlds. And it's connected through this notion of Das, which is the Bechina of Moshe. And upon his death, his death, he then becomes interred, so to speak, in every Israelite. Then he comes to this very enigmatic passage in the Gemara. The Gemara is in Tmura 16a. and he brings it out of the blue and it says as follows 
Sha'amaloha Kadosh Baruch Hu Yoshua Lomalacha Yevsha Shahatora Nikres Al Yashem Shal Moshe Umoshi Avdi Meis So let's just unpack that Gemara because it is so enigmatic. And the Gemara says that Moshe is 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 telling Joshua the following. Amarav Yehuda Amarav. That's Tumura 16a. B'shah sheniftar Moshe Rabbeinu legan Eden. When Moshe was departing from this world to enter the Garden of Eden, Amalol Yoshua. He asked Joshua this amazing thing. Sha'al mimeni kol sveikus sheyeshlecha. Ask me any sveikus that you have. Sveikus. Safek. Ah, okay. Safek. Doubt. Is doubt. Any uncertainties you have? Now, the mafarshim obviously means in Torah law. Mm-hmm. In Torah law. Not in Hashkapa. Well, of course not. He's been <laughs> his. It's been within 40 years. Lo yomush Yoshua, lo yomush mitocha. You never left they're, that. They're with the mana every day. They're not going to have problems it, with hashkafa. It's like you've been clerking for this Supreme Court judge for 40 years. <laughs> they're actually interviewing Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uh, personal trainer this morning, NPR. Wow. Um, personal trainer? Yeah. Like physical? Yeah, I mean, she's like in her 80s. Yeah, good. Right? So you've been clerking for this Supreme Court judge. He's about to retire. And what does he say to you? I'd like you to ask me any any questions you have remaining. Uncertainties. Any uncertainties in the law. So he says to him, Joshua says to him, Rebbe, Klum Have I ever left you for a minute? To go somewhere else? Didn't you yourself write in uh, in the Torah in yesterday's laning, Exodus 33, 11, um, and his slave or his servant, Yoshua ben Nun, Joshua, never left the tent. He never stirred from the tent. So since I never left your side, the Rabbeinu Gershon says, I don't have any uncertainties. I have no uncertainties. Miyad Toshash Kochoshel, and immediately, now, when I looked at the Gemara, it says Moshe, but then the Shittimukabetis that has the manuscripts in front of him says, it says Yoshua with a line crossed out, Yoshua and Moshe put in. So some hanky panky has been going on with the script, meaning, is it some art scroller who wants the Gemara to stay pious? So it says, Miyad Toshash Kocho Shel Yehoshua, because why would Moshe faint? Well, it must have been Joshua that fainted. But, and it certainly turns out from the next verse, and he forgot. It's referring to Joshua. But I want to go with it. For why can't you Moshe. say that's referring to Moshe, that he forgot, Moshe forgot? No, 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 no. Why not? Because he's dying. So and, before he died. And, and it says, and... 700 spakers were suddenly born in him. The narrative is, I don't have any spakers. Really? 700 were born immediately. So it's got to be talking about Joshua. But let's say, um, let's l- learn it both ways. Miyad Toshash Kochoshel Moshe. 
when Moshe heard that Joshua had no Sveikos, he almost fainted. Because he must have had Sveikos, is what I'm saying. Well, I, I, let's, let's first stay, stay within the tent, right? Within the tent. Let's stay within the text. Miyad Tarshish Kocherim, and then we'll, we'll describe okay. it. So immediately upon saying this, Moshe's strength waned. Um, okay. And as a result of his being pained by Joshua's response, the Nishtachachu Mimen Shlosh Meos, 300 laws were forgotten by Joshua, the Noldulo Sheva Meos Fekos, and 700 uncertainties occurred to him at that point. Okay? So the Emesli Yaakov says that Joshua was punished uh, because he caused Moses to become <coughs> dejected. <coughs> Moses was dejected because Joshua, Joshua was in effect boasting uh, that he was as great as Moses in Torah knowledge. <coughs> and that's what actually Rashi says. Um, he, that, he, that, he, that there was a kind of arrogance um, to his saying, I don't have any doubts. I don't know. I was with you. It's hard to think of arrogance when he's the Talmud and Moshe Rabbeinu is the Rebbe. And, yeah. And he was the epitome of, hum- of humility. Of humility. So what if, what kind of humility says, I don't have any Sveikas? Maybe it was true, though. Maybe it was true that I've been with you 40 years. I know every court case you've done. I know every everything you've argued in the high courts. I know exactly how your legal mind thinks. Mm-hmm. But it's all very well having the knowledge. Um, that's one thing. But to but arrogance is right. is when you f- flaunt it. Oh, so Rapsodic says that that was the flaw. The flaw was although Joshua was Moshe's prime disciple who never left his tent and was close to him, still living as long as Joshua was alive. Rashi to Deuteronomy 31. Nevertheless, Joshua's learning was but a reflection of Moses. Gemara says Moses was the sun and Joshua was the moon. The moon has no light of its own. It only reflects the sun. Okay. You're right? And the book Gemara in Baba Basra, 75. The face of Moses was that of the sun, the face of Joshua like the moon. Moses' death would conclude a glorious era. And now Joshua is just the moon. He's just a mere reflection. He was not expected... And, and, and that's what he failed to appreciate. He failed to appreciate that. So this is the real, this is, uh, um, th- th- this is uh, what the Gemara is saying. Now Israel was prepared to kill him unless he could tell him these laws and resolve the uncertainties uh, immediately. Kill Joshua. Joshua. Yeah. They, would, they wanted to intimidate him into praying with the utmost sincerity for the restoration of these laws. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to him, You want me to tell you these laws? That's impossible. Instead, Go and get on with war making. Wow. As it says, as it says, in Joshua 1, 1, the very first verse of the Bible after the Torah. And it was after the death of Moshe, the servant of God, and God says to Joshua, go and 
occupy Am Yisrael with the war against the Canaanites and occupy the land. There's a kind of implied criticism in the very first verse of Joshua that the first thing that is happening after the death of Moses is not that Mo- Joshua sits in the high court in the seat of justice, but he goes out and does battle. <clears throat> There's a kind of reduction there. And it's filled in by this wonderful Agadah that there's a backstory to why he is merely doing warmongering because he had made a statement that was inappropriate. But they, they're trying to fill something in. Might have suggested that they're trying to fill in that everything was certain with Moshe and then now, today, it's not certain anymore. Why, right. why didn't Moses succeed yeah, yeah, in transmitting yes, that? Yeah, I, yeah. I, have, I have no problem with that. Ukashemes, now the, you know, going back to the Hasidic <coughs> master, the Morinai, mm-hmm. when he dies, he doesn't want to tell them. Now I want you to go and do battle. And the battle that I want you to do isn't the physical battle of the conquest of Israel. Now that he is hidden, and no one knows where he's buried, and he's, there's a bechina of him inside you, the battle now is for you to find him in you. So this is taking it out of its historical and geopolitical context and using the mystical idea that divine awareness is the archetype of what Moshe represents, that we are somehow the Joshuas, <coughs> And that when you're in the presence of the rabbi, the master, you feel that sense of certainty about everything because you're basking in his sunlight. But when he's not there, or when he's dead, or when he's gone, you only have a hidden aspect of him within you. And therefore the battle is, Pirish, B'milcham Toshel Torah, the milchama, the battle that is the battle of Torah. It is only through this battle, this spiritual battle, can you even come to yourself, come to that das which is hidden in the Torah, that das called Moshe, Torus Moshe. It's not just Torah, it's Torus Moshe. It's the Torah that conceals the Moshe, which is your ability to experience the divine. And a big, big <coughs> thing here, I think, is acknowledging that we do have doubt, we do have uncertainty, and that's okay. That's the way it's that's the way it's set up. Ah. This is very different from some religions where if you have any doubt, it's it's this is bad. Okay. In uh, among the Mormons, for example, there is no doubt is possible. Everything is known, and if there's any question, the head of the church can get on the special telephone and get an actual, complete answer. No doubt is possible. So this is at the very beginning here. Once Moshe goes away, doubt is something we live with. So you just stole my whole thunder. Thank oh, you very much. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to continue to steal it. That's the battle of the human condition. Yeah, that's the milk. Is the, is the recognition that yeah. doubt is An part integral of a, part. Right. right. Norman Lamb said it very beautifully in <laughs> A Hedge of Roses. 
was the first time I ever saw that because I grew up with no doubt in my upbringing in the Hasmonean grammar school for boys. And then at 16, I opened this page. It's a, it was a book with a rose on it. It's called The Hedge of Roses. And he writes there that doubt is an integral part of the religious experience. I'll never forget that line. And my world just opened. I just like, I got, oh God, some oxygen came into my world, you know. Who, who is Norman Norman Lamb? Lamb? Uh, he was the president of YU. Now I'm going to go back and reread that and misread it midrashically. I want you to tell me all your existential doubts, not your legal doubts. And so, so Joshua says, what are you talking about? I haven't left your tent. Anytime I had any doubt, I just looked at the way you did Nagelwasser or I did the way you handled this and that. And all doubt was removed from my mind. And then Moshe says, what, you have no doubt? You mean, I've taught you nothing. After 40 years, I've taught you nothing. That's, that's a mistake for me. Because he realized that he had failed as a teacher. I had, instead of showing you the struggles that I was going through, with my Sveikos. Remember, Ashmadai sends a, an artist to take a picture of Moshe Rabbeinu and yeah. he, there's this mass murderer with horns. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't convey to you my own spiritual struggles, what I struggled with. You just saw the external, that sense of certainty and the absence of doubt. Sveikos. <laughs> The moment Joshua saw that, suddenly he realized that he'd gotten his Rebbe all wrong and he now was born 700 Sveikos. He finally became a leader. There was no question that Moshe was telling him, I ask me any Sveikos because I'm leaving the world and I'll show you how to hold them and how to deal with them and yet remain with Das. And to me, this has redefined the definition of Das. Das isn't this wonderful, like, you know, Dvekas in which you come to this sense of the experience of the divine. It is that, but it is also the, the flip side of Das. And the flip side of Das is doubt. And that's the Milchama. He's saying, what is the doubt? The fact that the Bechina of Moshe is hidden inside you. You don't have access to it unless you wage war. And that war has to be waged in the dark night of the soul, yeah. under the schach, despite the schach, which brought me to this realization last night. Because the weather was going good and bad and bad and good and good and bad and we never knew there was this safek. We lived in this world of uncertainty. Could we sit in it? That the schach itself has two meanings. The first meaning is brought in the Gemara. You know something? You just got through the Yomim Noraim. You got through Yom Kippur. You know, you may not have come out right. Maybe you were, you were inscribed in the book of... You were inscribed in the book of death or you inscribed in the book of sin. You know what? Why don't you preempt the divine punishment and go into Golos? 
go into exile. So the sukkah represents exile. What kind of a sukkah is that? I am leaving my home and I'm punishing myself with exile or chorus by going into the sukkah. I am preempt. You don't have to punish me, Mr. Executioner or the Kitrug or the Sotan. You don't have to punish me. I'm already there. You don't have to punish me. I'm in step one. I'm in greater hell that you could ever punish me with. And then we're told that it's Rahamon who Yokim Lonu, a Sukkas David Hanofalis. This is the base Amikdosh. Sukkas David is a Vayovo Sukkah, Vayivne Bayis. And the Bayis, and the Gemara says in Tanfuma that Jacob came to Sukkah and he built the base Amikdosh, the Mishkan. So that so then now you're sitting under the Tzela de Mehenusa, the, the shadow of faith, you're sitting under the Shechina. So that is a point of Simcha, the Beis HaMikdash, that's going to be rebuilt. This is a Mikdash Ma'at, you're sitting under the sail and under the protection of the divine uh, protection. That dual nature is to be held, not to be resolved. It's a Sophic. It's a Sophic between my, the complexity of my soul. That there are times where I feel in Golas and in the deepest, darkest Golas. And there are other times when I feel the divine gifts. Can I give you another example of that Sophic? Rabbi Tversky talks a lot about this, about how on the one hand the world was created just for me, but on the other hand, I'm just, uh, I'm dust, I'm Bittle. You know, it's all about Bittle because I'm just dust dust Right. So I, I was very moved by this dialogue between the last dialogue between the master and the disciple i mean if you think about the people who have been your spiritual teachers in your life and uh on their departing you know what would they have said to you the people who influenced you most the people who inspired you most but the truth is that the deepest truth is that Joshua now has to become his own leader, the master of his own destiny. He cannot rely on the, in the tent of his teacher if he's going to be a leader, which means he has to learn how to deal with Suffolk. And that is the hardest thing in any leadership. Uh, we're told to do things and to lead, whether it's in a military leading or in a civilian life. And you live with that doubt as to the decisions you've made. Yes. You live and buy, die by the decisions you make. You are evaluated by the decisions you made for your platoon. Um, and there is always, and if you read the biography of gen, major generals, um, the great ones are servant generals. And they live in are that we? servant generals. What does this mean? Meaning... On the one hand, he is the leader and the five-star general. On the other hand, he serves the constitution, okay. and he serves a higher good. And and he's also and those, serving his his people as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's it's always like, making decisions: how many men I'm going to lose, and, and the, those calculations of life and death. And so he lives in and he lives in that doubt, and he has to he has to live with that decision forever. Um, but the great biographies or autobiographies of the great generals is that they never shied away from that battle, that inner battle that has to take place before the outer battle. And um, I think that that 
to acknowledge it, that I do have doubts that I'm going to do it like this. And maybe I'm wrong, but right. I'm going to do it like this. Right. And I, I have to make a choice. I have to make a choice. And, I'm going to do uh, it. We should all be zeicher to, to fight this battle. Uh, some of us will win more time. Some of us will, will win less. But that is what gives, I believe, uh, the divine pleasure. Because... The pshat is, God says, ah, you're worth nothing. Why don't you just go out and fight? I'm not going to tell you the suffix. But the drush, the way the Morinaim is saying is, I can't give you those answers. They're forgotten, and your Rebbe is dead. Only you can go and do the spiritual battle to rediscover the Bechina of Moshe within you. And that is the deeper meaning of Leif the Taradun. Go and fight the next battle.